The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.blueclovertherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life to build a better you. Stay tuned. We can't start with a song. Because we already have a song in the beginning. It's a double song. So it's, it's a double song. And that's... my harmonies are probably too good. Yeah, that's a good point. It would just be overwhelming for people. So if it's just song after song, would we be like just a radio show? <laughs> that's probably... We're going to change... Yeah, that's accurate. No more podcasting. podcasting. Radio We're shows. We're going to revolutionize podcasting and turn it into all songs. <laughs> Well, guys, go, it's go, a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, good morning. Good morning, guys. Welcome to the Morning Circle Podcast. I'm Ty. I am Jesse, the therapist. And we bring successful habits to you, mm-hmm. and we implement them in our lives. Hopefully, you implement them in your lives. Yep. And we build better, better yous, better us's, better worlds. So it's a global thing. It's a it's a global thing. It actually is global. We have listeners all over the world now. We do. Or, yeah. So it's it's been pretty crazy. So thank you everybody for joining us today. We're we're super excited. And thank you for messaging. And talking to us, because then it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, give give us ideas, things you like to hear. You know, you can put it, you can send us a message. You can put it on the, like an iTunes review or whatever like that. Just, yeah, we're we're super happy and we like you being part of our family. So we appreciate it. Well, and we, and we like to hear how things are going or how they're going so south. Yes. And then we can chat about it. It's just fun being able to message back and forth. I like to hear the ones that don't go so well. So I don't feel bad when I don't. (laughs) you know, put on shoes and eat popcorn all day. Yes. Then I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one being, like, you know, struggling with these, with these habits. Right. So anyway, well, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about self-control. Self-control, which yep. is a very big one. And let's get personal. Mm-hmm. So we have a six-year-old boy. Yes. And he's got a learning disability. Uh-huh. And we are moving schools now to put him in a more appropriate uh, classroom for him. We are. And we're moving the entire family over. Yep. And so... And he struggles with self-control. Yes. So he struggles with, it, with a little bit of social anxiety and self-control, mainly due to language delay. Right. So Which sick, academically... He's he's, he's, really t- he talks maybe like he's two. No, like he's, he's like a like three-year-old maybe? Four. Three or four-year-old. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. And, and he's super smart. Like math, academically, reading, academically, totally he's fine. fine However, but he just can't verbalize. And yeah. so that's And it's been at. a really rough go. Yeah. This last little bit. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that this changeover is helpful and then everybody can be successful. Yeah. But yeah, but well, this is actually why this came up. This is because, you research this because of this reason. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, how do we do this? How do we, how do we implement? Because we don't see any of these behaviors at home. Right. That was the really big struggle is that we were like, what is going on at school? Because we don't see them. And so, but with self-control, a lot of it is anxiety. Right. So this is how I got started down this crazy path of research because um I want to be successful and I want him to be successful and for all of us to work as a family to be successful. Right. So and the I'm, most successful people in any kind of field whether mm-hmm. it's financial or music or sports or whatever that is mm-hmm. self-control is a huge commonality between these people. Right. And so maybe you, not all the time but not, in their not, whatever they're doing. Yeah, in whatever yeah. they're doing in yeah. their in their field the self-control and whatever not in their entire life which right. is great. 
But just, yeah, in, the, in that specific area, if you know, if, if you have good self-control on your money, you're going to be more financially independent. If you have good self-control with your exercise and sports training, you're going to be a better athlete. So these people do exercise a menis- tremendous amounts of self-control. Yes. So that's why we're bringing this to you today. Yep. We're now, excited about it. the history of self-control. <laughs> what, where was I going to go with this I'm one? I'm so sorry. I don't know. So I'm... Jesse usually comes up with the topics because she's the psychotherapist and I do the history segment because I love the history channel. And so <laughs> ancient aliens. Y'all. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to go the opposite way on this one. Okay. And we're going to talk about some of maybe, maybe they did have really good self-control in some areas, mm-hmm. but they got a little out of hand. Whoa. So here we go with some history. This day in history. Am I on this list? You are on this list, but you're way, you're high up. You're like number 12. And we're only going to do like the seven, the, bo- the, the okay. biggest, best seven. So this is a, uh, an article from a um, uh, website called The Richest. And yeah. we're going to talk about some of the biggest conquerors of all time. Oh. So they showed very little self-control in land grabbing. Yeah, they got to go for it. Ex- expansion, mm-hmm. right? They probably actually had a lot of self-control in other areas of their life. but So we just wanted to play on it. So don't say like these people have no self-control and they conquered, you know, How vast they? areas and peoples. No, they probably did have a ton of self-control. That's why they were successful. Right. But they this were is... a little crazy on their on their conquering. You ready? <laughs> yes. First one up, Napoleon Bonaparte. Of course. He conquered 720,000 square miles. To give you a little bit of context, okay. Texas is about 268, 269,000 square miles. Okay. So almost three times the size of Texas. Wow. He, and this this was not... A lot of these are going to be old, you know, um, AD, BC kind of eras. Yeah, I uh, early AD, late BC. There's not just some this guy was, rampaging. This was through. the 1800s, 1804 oh. to 1814. That's pretty recent to to obtain a swath of land that big. Right. So that's pretty he, crazy. Yep, Did he so, want to spread his ice cream? <laughs> oh my gosh! There's your joke. There's your joke from Jesse. The ice cream. No, N- Napoleon Bonaparte. He was a French military commander. He rose to power in the late eight, or sorry, the early 1800s, 1804 to 1814. He abolished the feudalism practice, which was like a lord and a servant kind of practice. He implemented the Napoleonic Code, which was like a foundation for a lot of laws that the world uses. What? He's an okay dude. So he's an okay dude. And then he tried to conquer Russia and he, all of his guys died. So that'll do it. That'll do it. The next one, Attila the Hun. At- yes. Attila the Hun, 1,450,000 square miles. What? So it's about half, a little less than half the size of the United States. The United States is 3. Point, oh gosh, I don't know, 3.8 million miles, square miles. Okay. So this was What's weird lot. is that you kind of know that. Well, I, I looked it up. I didn't, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I got my protractor out <laughs> and I estimated it. So Attila the Hun, he was a, a Germanic um, conqueror. Yep. He was nor- known as the... the Scourge of God. Ooh. So uh, he was one of the greatest barbaric, barbaric conquerors of all history. So that was Eastern and Northern Europe. Okay. And so he was, you know, 434 to 453 AD. Oh. So he started to spread. And again, all these these conquerors at this time, military general-esque people, right? Military sure. leaders and pretty barbaric in the way that they expanded. Yeah, I would assume that not everybody gets like a... Gift basket when you take over like, their country. Hi, I'm Attila the Hun. Here's your muffin basket. <laughs> you now are part of our barbaric tribe. Yeah. So anyway, he unified a lot of these 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 um, 
barbarian tribes, and then they pushed up against in Rome. Oh, so southern southern um, Europe. They also spread up into into Russia area, Eastern Europe, and uh, he eventually had his downfall due to the Roman Empire. Yeah, I would assume, and at some point you're going to hit into another group of people who don't want to be taken over. Yeah, so he was able to conquer like Persia and Constantinople, and he repeatedly invaded the Roman Empire until the Roman Empire, you know, joined forces with the Visigoths, and they essentially conquered him. And then the barbaric tribes fell shortly after. Oh. Next one, Cyprus the Great. I've never heard of Cyprus the Great. The Persian Empire. Okay. So he's the founder of the Persian Empire. You've heard of the Persian Empire, right? Um, One of the greatest empires in the history of the world. Why does nobody know the Persian <laughs> Empire? It's like, oh yeah, Greece and Roman Empire. The Persian Empire predates. So it's, it's 1559 to 1530. Uh, Persia was originally a state within the empire of Medes. Medes? I can't really pronounce my, um, my ancient European empires. But it was kind of that, the fertile grounds, you know? So oh. southern, eastern Europe and the Middle East and Asia Minor kind of areas. Okay. So he, he the same thing. He was Persian Empire was gigantic as he conquered from India to the Middle East, northern Africa, and into Greece. Whoa. His conquest led to the Persian Empire as being one of the largest and most historically influential empires in recorded history. What? Yeah. And, I should know this. And unlike Attila, who's just a, a barbarian leader, run around. just run around killing people, he created political infrastructure under him that kept the Persian Empire going long after his death. Oh, very smart. Yeah. yeah. So he was actually a, a very decent leader in that in that aspect. Now, you're not a decent leader if you go into a village and you burn all the houses down. And then you say, now you're Persians, you know. Yeah, that's, so, that's that nice. Um, in the movie 300, that was the, the Persian Empire came to Sparta. Oh, you and, don't take and on Sparta. And then you kick, kick the Persian guy into the pit. Oh, it is? That's mm-hmm. the Persian? Okay, it, now, see, so now, now I can now reference it. Now you get it. it. Now yeah, you reference 300, that. got it. Yep, okay. Uh, uh, Tamerlane? Tamerlane, 2,145 square miles. So we're getting pretty close to the size of America here. Okay. That's a lot of space to take to take up. Yeah. yeah he, well, and how do you even get, have armies that protect all of that all the time? Exactly. And that's why usually a lot of these fall, is that the, the armies get so spread out and they, they get so weakened by that expansion yeah. and tired by the expansion that they just kind of start to fall or crumble. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Unless you're bringing in, and they're bringing in new troops as they go. Go to a sure. village, hey, all your young men, you are now part of our army. Yeah. But then you kind of run out of resources. But this was a, an, an Asian conqueror who was mm-hmm. of the Islamic faith, and he was the sword of Islam. Ooh. So this was from 1370 to 1405, and about 5% of the world's population at that time that, that he conquered. Whoa, 5%? Yep. That's But quite he a bit, caused actually. 17 million deaths during his reign. What? Yeah. So this was, this Ooh, was violent. That's... And um, he had his love for architecture because of his religious motivations. Uh-huh. The, the uh, existence and subsequent empire is the main reason why Christianity was largely extinguished from Asia. What? Yeah. No so way. So he's kind of the so he reason. Killed that, everybody. He's the reason that Christianity didn't spread into Asia. Oh, that's interesting. And that's where, why a lot of Muslim um, faiths prevailed. Oh, I see. Because of Tamerlane. Yep. Taking over 5% of the population. I know. Alexander the Great. Oh, yes. Okay. 2.2 million square miles. Mm -hmm. So we're getting there. Uh, We all know Alexander the Great, right? Yeah. Son of Philip II. He was 20 years old when he took reign. Okay. And he was trained in warfare and he was tutored by Aristotle. 
Aristotle <laughs> was, and then tutored by Plato, was tutored by Socrates. He, he always name dropped. He's like going, you know, walking around the streets of his new thing. He's like, oh, I just conquered this. By the way, I'm going to go back and have some tea with Aristotle. And he's like, <laughs> no oh, bigs. gosh, that Aristotle guy. So Aristotle was a virtue ethics philosopher. I really like him. If, if you haven't read him, read him. Um, but he, he had Macedon- the Macedonia Empire. This mm. was like Greece eastward. He defeated the Persians. He conquered Egypt. He conquered Asia Minor. And then finally, this was pretty interesting. This, this article said that he stopped his conquest because of his soldiers. His soldiers said they didn't want to expand anymore. Oh, no way. So he just said, okay, this will be our little empire. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, After his death in 323 BC, his empire split into a number of parts and territories. Oh. So it was kind of the fall of the main empire, but still the standards of what he did kind of just broke up into city-states and countries. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That actually shows structure, though, that like that's, he thought that through a little bit. And then the man himself, number one, Genghis Khan, (gasps) 4.86 million square miles. Whoa. That is like 1.4, whatever, 1.3 of the United States. Oh. So an area bigger than the United States. So Genghis Khan from Northern Asia, he unified the the tribes, the tribes up in like the Mongolian Empire. Okay. It wasn't Mongolia, but, but in that little area of the world now. Um, and he was probably one of the most brutal conquerors of all time. He was born in 1162. And he created his first empire by trying to unify those tribes in Northeast Asia into one army. And then he swept across Asia, Europe, with unprecedented speed and efficiency. Oh, wow. They were on horseback, okay. which, you know, during the time was probably not a, a commonality okay. for a lot of these armies. So they just swept through all of Asia into Turkey, uh, Persian Middle East, and everything in between, except for India. He didn't oh. go into India. That. So, um, and he's credified, he's unified with, he's unified, he's credited with unifying um, the Silk Road from Asia to Europe. Oh. So I don't know if that's, that's actually true or not. Sure. But he died in 1227 AD and he remains the single greatest conqueror in human history. Wow. Can you say greatest conqueror or is it like the guy that took the most lives to try to unite people? Well, can you say like greatest murderer? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're the greatest in that area, whether that area is awful or not. That's so, true. Anyway, there That's you go. That's interesting. There's some, of, there's some of our world's, our history's greatest conquerors, and they showed, probably actually showed a lot of self-control, but in the area of invading people, not, well, the, not that, too much self-control. But some of them would just keep going, even when it was clear that they shouldn't yeah. keep going. Yeah, like Napoleon invading Russia. And yeah, like, like that, that was a poor choice. That was a poor choice. I'm judging him right yeah. now. And like Genghis Khan. It'd be like, oh man, Genghis Khan is coming over here. America is now going to be Mongolian. So like, just, let's just wait let's for just this to happen. Him. Let's just yeah. give it to him. There's your history segment of self-control. So that's all I got for history. Let's break this down into the science of actual self-control in modern day, not conquering Mongolia <laughs> in our brains, how we implement self-control. All right, so we're all aware that our brainstem is all of our instincts, right? The medulla oblongata. No, 
Like from the water boy. So, so a reptilian brain uh-huh. a, a consists of the brainstem essentially with some few other little parts, but it's all of our instinct behavior. So right. anything that we do without really thinking and our fight, flight, freeze, all is housed in that area. Right. Okay. So the difference between humans and everyone else, right, or every other creature is that we have a prefrontal cortex and the prefrontal cortex is like your, like the nitty gritty mom who wants you to follow the rules okay. and make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to. So the brainstem is telling us to run away, let's say, or to fight, let's say to fight. And then the prefrontal cortex says, no, you're in the middle of a math class. That's not nice. We don't do that. And then the the brainstem goes, okay. And then you don't beat up your neighbor. Oh, and that's why we can live in civilized society because of our prefrontal cortex. Yes. Okay. So guess what um, research calls bullying? What? Social defeat. Social defeat. You're just, you're done in society. Out of it. You're out of it. Yeah. So you're not using your prefrontal cortex. Exactly. You're using that brainstem and your, your reptilian brain to essentially survive. Yes. So okay. here's the thing is that we put kids into schools and we have them interact with one another. And then we accept a certain amount of bullying that's going to happen, specifically in this climate that we have going on, in, at least in the United States. Right. And then... The problem is with that is that when we get social defeat, the the brainstem and the prefrontal cortex stop communicating with one another. For everything? For Well, in general, yeah. Just in general, yeah. Because it, those ties get cut. Okay. Okay, so, so even if you're in a relaxed situation, you're more likely to be impulsive because those connections are simply not there. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, and so the thing is, is that in children specifically, we are looking to develop that prefrontal cortex, and but then we put them in situations in which it was it cuts down the prefrontal cortex, and then we're all like upset why all of our kids have ADHD and are running around and being incredibly Super impulsive. impulsive. Yeah. Okay. So the the thing with that is that the prefrontal cortex rules over and uh, kind of discusses, if you will, the instinctual behavior that we're looking for, but it does not manage emotion the prefrontal cortex just essentially rationalizes the emotions that are coming from other parts of the brain yeah it, it well no, not not even a, it doesn't rationalize the emotions it, it rationalizes the behaviors oh okay. so if i feel jealous let's say and i want to rip someone's coat off them your prefrontal cortex stops you from ripping the coat off yes but it doesn't stop you from being jealous yes gotcha. okay so then we try to get kids and I'm saying kids because ADHD is the thing. That's what we're talking about. Right yeah, now, we're talking yeah. about impulsivity. But it happens to us. I may want to rip the coat off my coworker. Yeah, exactly. But, That's a beautiful coat. But maybe man. my little my pathways are a little more developed than the children. In theory, yes. But oftentimes, like if we're if we're brought up in a society in which this never gets developed, we have to develop it other ways, or else we're just impulsive adults. That makes perfect sense. That's why we have probably a lot of impulsive adults right now. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So if emotion and behavior are completely different, we have to look at the hippocampus. Okay. You love so, that hippocampus. Oh my gosh, so much. It does so many good things because it manages the emotions and says, oh no, you're okay. Don't worry about it. Or no, no, you need to be pissed right now. So the thing is, is that emotion is, if it's managed there, it doesn't link at all to the prefrontal cortex and the brainstem, right? Okay. But suddenly we start thinking globally where we're like, what would my neighbor think if I took her coat off her quickly or what if what would happen if i punched my teacher in the face right then like if you think about what's going to happen to the teacher or to the buddy right 
Then the temporal lobe and the parietal lobes light up because they're, they're trying to figure this stuff out. The cool thing about that is that it engages the pre... Sorry, I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. It engages the prefrontal cortex and the brainstem. At the same time. At the same time. And that, that's where they communicate. Well, it's what? And is that where you bring the, the that those connections? That is when the emotions come in. Okay. Because we might get kids to stop punching each other, right? With the prefrontal cortex, it's working the impulsive behaviors there. But the anxiety that goes along with that, the, uh, the general being upset does not go away until you can develop that global understanding, engaging the, the parietal and the temporal lobes. That is very interesting. So I read an article, real quick to interject, uh-huh. about Inuit people in northern Alaska. Okay. And when so- a kid hurts someone else, uh-huh. they don't get mad. They don't, they don't, you know, hurt them back or they don't yell at them or put them on timeout. They put on a play, the people of the group, whatever, the, the tribe or whatever, put on a play about what? how that made everybody feel. And they're the least violent people, probably because it's freezing all the time, but they're, they're some of the least violent people in the world. They're global thinking. They're literally forcing that person to engage in global understanding. That makes total sense. Isn't that wild? Yeah. You can also do a similar thing with meditation. I've seen this in schools where they'll have the kid meditate on how they felt, how their buddy felt, how their teacher felt, and ha- like go through sequencing that way. It lights up all of those areas. And the, the thing is, is that the brainstem is still engaged. So you still have that impulse to punch someone, but then the prefrontal cortex is discussing it and going, nope, that's a bad idea. And then the parietal lobe and the temporal lobe are like, you know what? You don't need to be anxious. You don't need that coat. You have a perfectly fine coat. And you, you're going through this process of discussing the emotion as well. Mm-hmm. And so that globally makes it just so much better and engaging. Instead of just, I am told not to punch, I won't punch. You're essentially yes. rationalizing it in all arenas of your brain, emotional and rational um, arguments, global and internal. That's impressive. Yeah. So when we tell kids, don't punch or you'll lose your toys. That's the wrong way to do it. Yep, because that's all prefrontal cortex, because they're still going to be mad. Right. They're still going to want to punch that kid. They might just refrain in that moment when they're going to get caught because they don't want their toys taken away. Okay. All right. right? Yeah. So now the second part of this is that the brain takes way, way too much (laughs) glucose to do this stuff, to self-control. So if you are only engaging the prefrontal cortex and the brainstem, and and this is debatable in research, but it, it lines up. Um, the way that it's engaged in just that very specific connection, it takes a ton of glucose because you got to power up that that prefrontal cortex, and it's essentially trying to fight the brainstem. Okay, so these two are fighting instead of working in conjunction with each other. Yes, which is a lot less uh, has a lot less resistance and a lot less energy taking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you if you engage that temporal lobe and that prefrontal or the parietal lobe. That the prefrontal cortex does not need to battle the brainstem as much because basically you have a whole team trying to soothe that brainstem. And so the brainstem calms down that part of the brain and you use less glucose. So they talk about the kids right before lunch are more impulsive and get into more fights, more aggressive behavior. That's exactly right because the glucose dips and the, the prefrontal cortex essentially loses. They just get tired. Yeah. They're, they get tired. And then yeah. that reptilian brain says, I'm going to smack this kid and take his candy bar. Yeah. And then... Boom, you and snack you, and you get a kid, you candy, candy bar. bar. Okay. Yeah. So it's really important that we understand what's happening in the brain when the kids are having this impulsive behavior or we're like, what is happening? This kid is so bad. It's not that they're bad. It's that we, ha- we have to develop the certain parts of the brain and we have to help that brain engage so that we're dealing with the emotion and the behavior. 
So let's push this into adults for those of you who don't have kids, because we're going to start using this with our kids. Yes. But for us and our impulsive behaviors, we just have underdeveloped connections, right? <laughs> yes. And processes. Yeah. So can are we doomed or can we improve those processes no, as well? And, and that's the cool thing is that adults can modify their brains as well. And so when we find that we our, our anxiety is through the roof all the time, we want to try to develop those parietal and temporal lobes. And that's where you get into journaling, meditation, understanding emotion. Because then when those impulsive things come up where you want to key someone's car, let's say, you're, you can sit there and go, oh, it'd be really bad if I keyed their car because A, B, and C would happen. They would feel bad. Maybe their mom would be upset because it's their mom's car, whatever. And so you go down that sequencing of events. The brain is completely engaged. You're using less glucose, so you're not wiped out at the end of this. And then you make a successful behavior, behavior and emotion. Instead of saying, that person hurt me, I'm going to key their car. And then your prefrontal cortex says, no, 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 I'll get in trouble. Yes. And then you're fighting that emotion that a whole time. Yep. Instead of looking at it from their point of view and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I understand why they did that. Right. Okay. Isn't that, that, isn't that just remarkable? It, it, it yeah. And it'll, it makes sense in, in the way of when we go to therapy or whatever it is, we try yeah. to rationalize and we try to work through these processes, mm-hmm. what angers us and, and why we're looking at it from a single side usually. Yes. And so this is our brain doing it for us, which is incredible. Yeah. Well, and, and as adults, I mean, we, our society is not built to engage the parietal and temporal lobes. It's engaged to get all prefrontal cortex because we don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to speed because then we'll get a ticket. We don't want, it's, it's not like, well, I could kill someone and that would really devastate them. And then boo, 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 boo. And you go down the sequence of events. So if, if we can really instill those ideas of being able to engage the entire brain, I mean, society will be better. Well, our anxiety will go down. Our depression will subside. Like, it, I mean, it's just remarkable, this idea of being able to take it as a full global situation. Incredible. I'm so excited. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's a lot of stuff. And this is exciting stuff. This is so exciting. Yeah. Well, and it because it has practical use. Right. You know, it shows the things that when we say use a coping skill, it's not like, oh, there's the hippies again. Right. Um, it is literally developing a part of the brain that you need in order to feel okay. And we've gotten down to a core solution. It's not, hey, I have anxiety. I'm going to journal for my anxiety. It's I'm doing these things to affect my brain and to train my brain in this way to eliminate the need for that anxiety in the first place. Yes. So we found a core issue yeah. for success. Isn't that wild? Okay. So this movie will look like a little star next to this, this episode <laughs> and be like, hey, listen to this guy. Yeah. It's the, the important one. Um, okay. Is that what we got for science? We're going to get an action plan. Yes, and, we and are going to get these. Yeah. Um, right after coffee review, but is that, is that all we've got for science? That's that. All right, let's do a quick coffee review because we're going long on this one. And then we'll talk about how to implement self-control. I drank pots and pots and pots and pots of strong black coffee, trying to keep my sleepy soul awake. But the sleepiness still comes along And when it does, it's fast and strong I end up with a bad case of the shakes Today we are, I'm going to say a swear word, but it's not meant to be a swear word. It's a brand, and it you can actually brand. say it on network television now. You can say ass? Discla- yeah, disclaimer. I was oh, okay. going to give everybody a disclaimer so they could get the kids out of the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's badass coffee. Yeah, Badass Coffee, like uh-huh. 25 franchise stores across the country, and mm-hmm. they originated in Hawaii. They did. And so I, I happened to be there. I was meeting one of my therapists there um, to have a, an awesome discussion. And I was like, what? They have volcanic 
they they grow on the side of this volcanic mountain, which makes it really um, nutrient rich. Yeah. yeah, and um and so it's hundred percent it, Kona coffee. Yeah, so it's it's really and that's kind of hard to find now. There's oftentimes a lot of blends. Yeah, and the one you get from the store is ten percent. Yeah, from like the grocery store. Yeah, it's 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 not what you're looking for. So if you're looking for a hundred percent, but badass coffee is really where it's at. And they're not trying to say a swear word or be like that's bad. It's, it's like, from the donkeys that it's from, the, from the farm. Yeah, and and because they would literally be carting the the coffee beans down the mountain on the and, donkeys, and then the donkeys that worked the hardest were called the badasses. Yeah. So isn't that cool? That's super cool. I know. I saw yeah. that too. I very much enjoy that there's an animal, like, um, what would it be, like a thread or like origination in mm-hmm. the name? I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. It's awesome. So, um, yeah. So like you said, growing on the mountain slopes, they are a direct trade, a fair trade coffee company. Yep. So really, really small. You know, they have 25 franchises. So they're not small, small, but yeah. they're a smaller company and they like their sustainable practices. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm 100% on board for all of their their ethics that they produce with their coffee. Yes, yeah. They're very, very good. Now let's talk about the actual taste of the coffee. I really very much enjoy it. You made the worst cup of coffee yesterday, right? <laughs> this, I'm not joking. This is, a, this is really, really good. Thank I, you. I'm particular to Kona coffee. I like it. Yeah, I'm but, taking all credit. It's not yeah. the beans, it's me. I yeah. did it. This no. is really good. It's probably freshly roasted yeah. from when you picked it up. And did you do a... French press? I did a French press, Did you do yeah. the four steps or four or five steps to make it barista-style coffee? Um, <laughs> what are the four steps again? Oh, my gosh. She, <laughs> she just, just so, you, just so you know, even Jesse, yeah. who can make you, make you covet airplane coffee, which is like the most disgusting coffee in it's the history really of the world. Awful, yeah. But, but you're like, oh, I could really go for a, pl- a cup of airplane coffee right now after drinking some of Jesse's coffee from yesterday. Just yesterday, it was really bad. Yeah. Yesterday, I this is this is one of the best cup of coffees I've ever had. Which so which know. really shows that it can withstand my way of doing it. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at here. <laughs> That's the nicest roundabout way yeah. you've ever said that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so really, really good coffee. Yeah. Um, taste is really good. It's super strong, but it's a Kona, so it's a light, light roast. I'm, yeah. It's not I'm, bitter. It's like not I bitter, really, but it gives you a f- usually with me and the light coffees, you get kind of that bittery kind of. I don't know, flavor tones at the end. You don't get any of that. It's robust, but light. Right. Which is the best way to put it. I don't, that's an oxymoron, but there you go. Let's, let's rate this thing. I give it a 99.2%. You are killing me. 99.2%. I, I can only make so many graphics, so you got to stop. Okay. 99.2%. No, I very much enjoy it. So thank you, Badass Coffee. Salt yeah. Lake. This is where I got this one. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we have one in here in Salt Lake, but they're all over the place. Japan even. You can buy them online. Japan even. Yeah. So anyway, go out there, try some, try some Kona coffee from Badass Coffee Company. Um, disclaimer again, we don't, we purchased, right? I purchased it. Yep. yep. We purchased our coffee, so we don't get any, any uh, sponsorships or reimbursements. So you can give you, we can give you a fair evaluation. Yeah. Of the coffee. So there you go. Cool. All right, let's get back into self control. And let's talk about how to implement self-control in ourselves and maybe our children. Yes. All right, let's do this. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. Okay. So just like every single action plan that I've ever put together, I want you to assess what's going on. Yeah, it's, that's the number one rule for anything in your life, it seems like. Yeah, you just got to see what's going on. We, I mean, that it makes sense. Like, don't salt your food before you taste it at the restaurant. You mm-hmm. don't know what it is, what it's like. It could be too salty. Yep. So just the same thing. Do a self-assessment. Right. Get your journal out. Yeah, and, and I want you to break this up into behaviors and emotions, because you might be really good at controlling 
your behaviors. And it could be because you're scared of social um, defeat. You're worried about all these different things. But emotionally, where are you at? Can you control control your emotions? And I don't mean like stomp out anxiety, but I mean like be like, okay, I understand I'm anxious. I need to self-soothe. How do I go about that? And you can go through that process because emotions are significantly more complicated than behaviors, even though behaviors get more attention. Makes sense. So we, we want to be able to understand how often are we getting into fight, flight, freeze? How often are we going to have, are we trying to reduce impulsive behaviors? Because it could be like if you're, I don't know, if you're on a plane with a bunch of kids, it could be the whole time. Right. It could be the entire ride. Or it could be like, I'm alone in my car. I'm fine. I'm totally good. There's no other cars on the road. So we want to be able to assess and not only the situations, but us, ourselves, and how we're feeling. Okay, makes sense. Do your self-assessment, number one. Number one. Um, develop your social decision-making and understanding. Like create a plan of action. Well, yeah, but but as far as understand, like when you have an impulsive behavior thought or whatever that is, okay. um, I want you to under like run through what it's going to be like for all parties involved. So not just the party person that you want to hit, but also their girlfriend and the cop that's going to come and the fireman that's going to come do the medical check off and that you like everybody, how your mom's going to feel about it. And so we, we implement, we put that into place of like a global thinking before the incidents occur. So we can just run through real quick. Or are you talking about when well, it ha- when it's happening? Well, because like with the play example, um, something has occurred and therefore you're correcting behavior with a new protocol. So you can do it anytime. Right. But just know what that protocol is. Yeah. You can, you can practice it before, you can implement it during, or you can replay it after. Yeah. And you can go gotcha. back to a part where you're like, whoa, I acted really poorly there. How was it like for everyone else? How would I like to act? Okay. So just, just that global protocol. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, cause we want to understand what is, what is actually happening and then, um, set yourself up for success. So make sure that you eat food. Okay, make sure because, you have the glucose for your brain to function. Right, because it before, before all of this is set into place and is already like an automatic system in your brain, your prefrontal cortex and your brainstem are going to be the first to engage, and they're the most expensive in glucose. So you want to be able to to hit that correctly so that you can essentially slow down that process enough to hit, get the parietal and the temporal lobes on. Okay. So you're going to have you're going to have a burn down essentially that you're going to need to have before it automatically comes back on. Now, as you practice this, it will get shorter. So and then you'll use less glucose in this process, but I just want to make sure that you're eating and that you understand why you're eating and what you're trying to do here. We're not saying go slam a bunch of sugar. No. Because no, your no, body no. produces glucose through gluconeogenesis. So just eat even if food. you're even if you're like keto, you're still going to have some amounts of glucose in your brain, and you're going to use fat ketones for energy. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, so just energy. so yeah, so get energy. Um, give yourself a break if you're being mean or if you acted poorly, because if you are raking yourself over the coals, that's prefrontal and and um, brainstem just running So if you're not forgiving wild. yourself. Yeah, you have to be like, okay, so what? Because that's the thing is, I want you to look forward of how you're going to act. I don't want you to sit there and stew because then, I mean, it doesn't make anything better. Right. You, you punishing a, yourself isn't doing anything. And nobody, nobody's going to be affected except for more than you are. Yes. So forgiving yourself is a, a big step in that process. Right. Okay. Understand how you can understand your emotions. 
Some people can just look in within and understand. Others have to journal or meditate or go on a walk or something. See a therapist. Yeah, see a therapist. Just to understand your emotions. And then also I want you to understand what makes you feel self-soothed. What's your coping skills? What makes you feel just a little bit better about life? Because I want understanding in both brackets, even if we're not going to be able to channel those perfectly. Okay. Get enough sleep. Because your brain doesn't work very well if you don't sleep, exercise, because oxygen, all that. And then again, really, even if it's not pertaining to you, find, look at the news and see globally what that specific incident is like and how you feel and how your neighbor feels and how, because if we develop that, that's like a, that's like a backdoor way of moving into our brain, being able to systematically, automatically go on. Just using empathy. Essentially, yes, glo- using empathy. globalization and empathy. Yep. And then that, that triggers different parts of your brain automatically, which reduces that anxiety and increases that self-control. Yes. Wow. That's it. That's all we have to do. <laughs> seems small. That seems small. Or big. I don't know. It's, it's all probably the, same. the biggest, hardest thing in the world. Yeah. I don't do this very well. Like if I'm driving and I'm mad and someone cut me off, I'm mm-hmm. just mad all day. <laughs> but instead, I got to be like, you know what? That person probably didn't see me. And, and I probably cut off people too. Right. And he may be late for work as well. And we're all anxious in this environment together because it's very crowded. Right. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, he's fine. Yeah. You know? And that's why if we were like on horse carts and he cut me off and I could actually like touch him, I wouldn't probably wouldn't be mad at him. If I'm right. like, Henry, you cut me off. And he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. You're like, it's okay, Henry. I'll see you. Yeah. See you for supper. You know? And you feel better. And you feel better. Like you feel better not... But attacking we're in our, the other we're person. We're in our own little boxes and our own little shells on, on the internet and whatnot. So right. It's hard to have that empathy and that global thinking when we're so isolated today. Right. It makes sense. Okay. So there's your steps. I'm not going to repeat them because there's a, there's a few of them, but yep. start with your assessment. Make sure you're, you're, you're healthy, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're getting exercise. Yep. Then figure out how to, how to understand your emotions, mm-hmm. right? And then use that empathy, that global thinking mm-hmm. for situations, come up with that protocol, either implement it before, practice it before, implement yep. it during, or reassess and uh, repeat it or replay it afterwards. Like a play. Like a play. Brilliant. So that's what we do for self-control. Do it with your kids as well. Yes. If you've yep. got kids, if you don't uh-huh. have kids, do it with yourself your and cat. your cat or your dog <laughs> or your grandparents. Yes. Because yeah. they need self-control too. Those old people, they need <laughs> self-control. And, uh, and get out there and build a better you. Thanks, guys. Coffee's got a lot of caffeine and my heart is pounding. Oh, stop drinking that, Ty. Okay. No, (laughs) it is.